You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? My name is Mike. I'll be your host tonight. I am all alone again talking about a bad movie. That's okay. Uh, Just couldn't find the time right now. We have a lot going on in our lives, so I get it. It's tough to get everybody together. So it is just me tonight. Uh, Andre and Jill will hopefully be back on the show soon. Obviously, our last episode, we had my buddy Jim. Uh, It's great to have him on the show, and we'll probably have him in the future as well. But I just wanted to sit and talk to you about a bad movie. Of course, first, we got to jump into what we are drinking. Uh, I've already had a beer tonight, but I had a little bit of wine left, so I have an Apothic Apothic Merlot is what it's called. Apothic is the brand. You may have seen them. They're almost everywhere. They have every kind of wine, it feels like. And the reason I'm drinking a Merlot, because I'm not usually a Merlot fan, is I was cooking and it recommended a Merlot for this recipe. So I've got a Merlot. I'll be completely honest. In the middle of summer, a red wine, especially a Merlot, does not sound great. But it's not bad. I'll give it to it. Um, If I had to drink a Merlot, maybe I'd drink this again. I don't know. It's not terrible. But it's also not my forte. All right, enough hearing me be a wine snob. Uh, Let's talk bad movies. So it may make sense that I'm drinking a red wine because this movie made me think of the cold. This movie is The Snowman, uh, which is very disappointing as a movie because I read the book by Joe Nesbo and it was so good that I went and got another Joe Nesbo book like immediately after I was ready to read them all. And then the snowman released and it got such bad reviews that I didn't want to give him any more of my money. I was just like, no, you, you ruined it. And I didn't even see it at that point. I just went by people's words, uh, to not read any more Joe Nesbo because of the success of the snowman movie, uh, which I'm pulling up the rotten tomatoes in the IMDb right now, the rotten tomatoes, um, This may be the lowest starting ranked movie that I've seen for this show. The critic score is a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score is an 18%. Um, Usually you don't see very often that the critics and the audience are like this close in everything. And I have to say pretty accurate for what it is um the imdb score is a 5.1 out of 10 that's interesting so talking about the snowman let's first talk about the awards it was nominated for yes it was nominated for one award uh, that is the st louis film critics association 2017 nominee for worst film of the year and it did tie for second in that category it tied with king arthur legend of the sword Uh, which is another one I think I have to get on this podcast eventually. The winner of that year was a movie I covered a few episodes ago, The Mummy, the 2017 Mummy with Tom Cruise. For those of you that may have missed The Snowman, though, it is a crime mystery. It's set in Norway, and it's set around the time of the first snowfall of the year. Now, the beginning of this movie, we do have a scene where it kind of gives an origin story to our killer. We don't exactly know it in the moment, but basically this young kid, his uncle comes over, or at least somebody he calls uncle, and not even three minutes in, we get a sexual assault and a physical assault. She gets smacked around, and she gets sexually abused. So just setting the table perfectly for what kind of movie this is. It's not your happy-go-lucky, feel-good movie, just in case you were wondering. And as soon as his mom was abused, uh, the kid who sees it runs out and makes a snowman. I wonder if that kid's going to be the killer. I don't know. In a movie called The Snowman, do you think making a snowman when your mom's been abused uh, makes you the killer? I think so. We get a quick credit montage and we learn that the executive producer was Martin Scorsese. How did he leave his name on this film? is one of the things I really want to know because I I feel like once you saw the finished product, it's Scorsese. So I feel like he could have just said, 
yeah, I saw I saw the product. I I no longer want to be associated with this film. I'm just gonna scrub my name off of there. Uh, but he was the executive producer for this film. It was directed by Thomas Alfredson. Um, so yeah, we have one scene of this kid making a snowman while his mom's being abused, and we have. A credit scene where we learn that Martin Scorsese is the executive producer of The Snowman. I will also say one of the cool things about the book, The Snowman, by Joe Nesbo, he makes a snowman actually very chilling in his writing. He does a very good job of, like, when you see the snowman and you see his eyes just staring at you. Um, It's completely different in the movie because it really just looks so, like... Meh. I'm just a snowman. Meh. Uh, <laughs> so it's not a very good job in the movie of making the snowman actually feel threatening. That brings us to our main mystery after the opening sequence and the opening credits where this woman is texting her daughter, letting her know she's on her way home. Uh, I caught a goof in this right away. Basically, they had sent two messages back and forth. And then there was a third message, and then it went back to a, two messages, and the daughter sent another message. It was just kind of one of those funny things that I noticed right away. Um, but the mom basically is walking towards her car, and she gets hit by a snowball. And she's kind of looking around and doesn't see where it came from. So she just kind of, eh, it's fine, goes to her car, and she drives home. So then it kind of flashes forward. We don't know what exactly happened to the mom yet. We don't know what happened to the daughter or the husband, fiance, boyfriend. We don't know really what he is, but, you know, he's just a part of their lives. Um, It goes to the police office where they're talking about these new gadgets they have, which are basically like these gigantic iPads. But basically you use your fingerprint to get into it. And it actually does the fingerprint versus, you know, how the iPad and the iPhone, they say, oh, we got your fingerprint. And you're not really sure how they do it. You don't really think they have their fingerprint. This one's actually legit. Like, it's got my fingerprint. Um, It can record things. You can write down notes. All of this on one single big gigantic iPad thing. So they're introducing that whole thing. And we meet our detective, Harry Hull. Yes, I'm going to laugh several times at the fact that Michael Fassbender's character's name is Harry Hole. I was doing it the entire time I read the book, too. Of all the names to give a detective for, like, a drama mystery book, Harry Hole? Really? That's what you come up with? We know that Harry Hole kind of works on his own, but he meets the newer, younger... Detective Rebecca Ferguson, her uh, character's name is Katrine. So Katrine and him kind of come together and we know they're going to work together. We also get a flashback to nine years earlier and we see this other detective who we didn't know his name at the time, but he's played by Val Kilmer. Uh, His character's name is Rafto. That's his last name, probably, arguably, Rafto. Everybody just calls him Rafto whenever you see him. But Val Kilmer is also trying to solve this case of the snowman. He He's seen the same things where women disappear, there's a snowman at the situation, and so he's trying to solve it in the past nine years before this disappearance and Harry Hole is on the case. God damn it. I'm so immature. Um, I don't really care. You can laugh at me. You can say whatever about me and how immature I am, but Harry Hole is just hysterical. (laughs) At this point, I'm very confused with all the time jumps and everything because we're probably about 15 minutes into the movie. We've had the origin story for the killer. We've had the woman and her night, but we then jump to the next day where the detectives find out that she's missing and they need to go do something about it. And then we also had a nine years back jump with Val Kilmer. It's so confusing at this point, even though I they want to kind of show you like we're star studded. We have Rebecca Ferguson. We have Michael Fassbender. We have Val Kilmer. All these people are in this movie. Look at us. Um, 
also not introduced yet, but they also have Chloe Savigny and um, J.K. Simmons are in this movie as well. So they do have like a pretty good cast for this movie. And it's based on a good story. So I just don't understand how this movie like missed so hard. But yeah, so that's what I was thinking at this point. I'm like, this is star-studded, but it's just so confusing with all these time jumps and everything like that. So it then goes back after showing a little bit of the nine years before and just showing that Val Kilmer's on the case of the snowman nine years earlier. Um, we learn that the woman is missing. Her scarf was found around a snowman outside. And the little girl, like her daughter, was like, I didn't build that. We also learn that all the victims so far have had children. They are married or at least dating somebody in their lives and that it was snowing when they disappeared. That's all we know so far at this point in the mystery. We also know that Harry doesn't really drive. Um, He has Katrine drive him everywhere. Um, So Katrine drives him home. Or at least where we think he's going is home. But really, she's driving him to his ex's house. Uh, We learn that his ex is dating somebody named Matthias. And then she has a son named Oleg. Oleg is not Harry's son. She had Oleg from another relationship. She doesn't really know who the father is. We don't really get into any of that. But Harry kind of is just like trying to be better and being in Oleg's life because he does want to kind of be like a father figure to him. Uh, That's really all we get that he wants to be. We really don't even see that he wants to be with his ex again. We kind of assume that's probably part of it too. But truthfully, it seems more so like he's trying to be a father for Oleg. Trying to be a father to Oleg, he takes Oleg to this concert that we think he's wanted to go to for forever, but really... Neither of them seem very interested in the concert when they're actually there. And they're there for like all of five minutes before Harry gets a text and is like, oh, I need to take this. I need to take a call. And they're outside of the concert venue. So this big important call that he gets is that another woman has disappeared, but she's disappeared like hours away. And so they left the concert so that he could be told this and they don't even go until the morning. So they just like wasted those tickets, even though. Oleg was supposedly like looking forward to this band for forever. He apologizes to Oleg, but also kind of says, Hey, I know there's like this father son camping trip. Why don't I go with you as like your father figure, you know, like kind of, would you be okay with that? And Oleg, his face lights up and he's like, yeah. And you can tell like this kid just, he wants to have a dad in the picture. And truthfully, This is probably one of the moments that I actually liked because I liked Oleg. I think he was a good kid that just kind of, they didn't have much to do for him. And he's not like a main character. He's just kind of on the side. But he seems like a good kid. He seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. He understands the situation. He understands that his dad's not in the picture. He understands that Matthias and uh, Harry are both trying to be there as like this father figure for him. And I'm like reading into this. I'm reading in depth to this character that's just kind of like maybe 10 minutes of screen time probably total in this movie. But it does kind of feel like he 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 did a good job. The actor for that was uh, Michael Yates. Never heard of him before. He, I mean, he's got to be a young actor, but uh, he's been two movies that are known uh, and one was a short. So... You know, this was his big movie, I guess, but he was he was pretty good in it for a child actor is what I'll say. And like child actor, he's probably 16, 17 at this point. So the call was a woman's disappearance, but it was like from a town really far away that they really don't have jurisdiction over. But a snowman was found there so they can continue their investigation. Uh, so they basically say, OK, we'll wait until the morning to drive there because it's so far away. And then it gives a little more about Rafto or Val Kilmer and how he's kind of like losing his mind about this case. Um, He's getting a little more, you know, he's drinking a little more. He's getting a little more agitated about everything, you know, that kind of stuff. And 
Val Kilmer's scenes are in like three minute bursts. So I think they want you to feel bad for him, but at the same time, it's like a three minute burst. I don't, I don't care about his character at all. And I don't have any understanding why they're showing this. It made sense at the end, but even then it's just weak sauce. So after that scene, just kind of showing that he's losing it a little bit, that he's starting to drink a little more. It goes back to the, the present and Harry hole, Drinking game. Every time I say Harry Hole and I laugh, uh, you need a drink. Uh, Harry Hole and Katrine are driving to this woman's house to see if there's any clues for where she may have disappeared to. They get to the house and it's like abundantly clear that somebody was there. Um, the door was open. The lights are on. The TV's on. You know, it's just kind of, okay, maybe there was a struggle. They start thinking and maybe there was she was rushed out of the house quickly or something like that. But basically, she's in the shed. She cut a head off a chicken. She's, like, listening to music so she didn't hear them. So she's startled when they, like, finally get her attention. And they're kind of, hey, um, do you know this girl, Sylvia? Like, we got a report from her ex-boyfriend that she went missing. And she's like, um, I'm Sylvia. I'm, I'm not missing. And so they were just like, oh, okay, cool, great. Sorry about that. We walked through your house. Like we didn't touch anything. We just walked through. So I just wanted to let you know your TV's on, that kind of stuff. And they turn the music off. Um and so great. They're all that's all fine and dandy. And then we see Sylvia talking to what we assume is her ex-boyfriend, going, Really? You called me missing? Like you're getting the police involved and everything like that. Don't do that. I told you this is over. We're done everything like that. But while she's on the phone, she doesn't notice the shadowy figure that sneaks into the shed behind her. And then Harry and Katrine get a call that she's declared missing again. I don't know how far they must have been, but it was like daytime and then all of a sudden it's just nighttime like it, it and probably early daytime. It's not like they were gone for forever by the time she actually went missing again. So by the time they get there, it's nighttime um, in the middle of like this hole that's in the shed. And I don't know what it's for. I think it's like a it may have been like a dried up well or something like that. I don't know. It's just a very deep hole, um, not a hairy hole, but a hole. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm never going to stop laughing at this. Why? Uh, in the middle of this hole down at the bottom is a snowman. But instead of a snowman head, it's her head that's been chopped off and put on top of it. Dun, dun, dun. So on this present timeline, we have one girl missing. We have one woman definitely dead. So now feels like a good time to take a break in between. And our break normally is a promo for another podcast friend of ours. Um, Mike told us that his podcast promo is a little outdated, so he didn't really want to play it, and that's totally okay. But our friend that gets the bad movie right is at 10 Cent Takes. It's Mike and Jessica, a podcast looking at comics history, pop culture, and how the two connect. Also, swears. So we love them dearly. Um, they actually are really good friends of ours. And truthfully, it, it is an honor to be able to shout them out on this episode. Uh, Mike got it right. He was the first one to guess The Snowman as our bad movie. Um, so thank you, Mike, for playing along. Mike and Jessica, please check them out. Ten Cent Takes. Um, I literally cannot say enough about their podcast because... It's an amazing podcast and even better friends. So please check them out. 10 cent takes highly recommend it. You will learn a ton from Mike and Jessica, uh, comic history, pop culture swears. What more could you want from this? And speaking of swears, fuck. Yeah. We're in the second half of the snowman. So we have one lady missing one lady dead. 
what else could possibly happen that Harry Hole and Katrine could find out? Plus, do we learn more about what happened to Val Kilmer? Those questions and more are going to be answered right now. So they do a little digging, and Katrine finds out that both women, the one that disappeared and the one that's been murdered, are patients of the same doctor. And more specifically, this doctor is kind of like a fertility expert or abortion expert or something like that. So basically, the detectives learn that the doctor, whose name is Vetlison, is going to be at this gala. The gala is being hosted by J.K. Simmons' character, which is Arva Stope. It's a very Scandinavian name, and so if I got that wrong, uh, I don't mean to get that wrong on purpose. Basically, he's trying to bring these winter games to Norway. Not the Olympics. I can't remember the exact name, but these winter games. Uh, So Arva Stope... Uh, better known as J.K. Simmons, because I'm just going to call him J.K. Simmons, uh, is hosting this gala. Uh, Vetlison arrives and is bringing this woman with him. And so as J.K. Simmons is giving this big speech about how he's going to bring the games to Norway, Vetlison shows this woman to J.K. Simmons. And we learn that he is a big sleazeball, pretty much. Katrine is able to infiltrate their secret meeting and take a picture uh, or take a video of basically J.K. Simmons and Vetlison and this woman. Vetlison shows like this woman's tits to J.K. Simmons and J.K. Simmons is like, why'd you bring her tonight? And he takes a picture with his phone and then walks away like you're you're an idiot. Don't get her out of here. And so Vetlison leaves with the woman, although the woman leads ahead because she's very, I mean, she's very embarrassed. Wouldn't you be? You just got basically this doctor just grabbed your shirt, showed him your tits and was like, okay, cool. I'm going to give you to him pretty much. Completely skeevy and everything like that. The hard part I have with this, and there's a lot, don't get me wrong, but the hardest part I have with this is the fact that this really doesn't come into play anywhere else. I think this was just put in there to make J.K. Simmons seem like he's the bad guy. Spoiler alert, he's not the killer. And I think this is just a huge red herring that they did in one scene to be like, yeah, it could be J.K. Simmons, it could be Vetlison, oh, rah, 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 rah. You know, we're going to make it seem like both of these men hate women. And so it's really hard in this scene because the, it's it's obvious that they're trying to make them seem like suspects. Like it's very obvious. And so immediately, and that's probably what this movie does so poorly is immediately I'm going, okay, cool. They, they just make them seem like suspects because they're suspects, but they're not. Like neither of these two are the suspect, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong, but I fully got from that one scene that neither of these two are the killer. They just want to make them seem more suspecty. Back to the police station, Katrine and Harry are working on their leads and everything like that. And Katrine's going to call it a night. And Harry basically breaks into Katrine's file folders and takes some information, including that there was more information in Bergen. Bergen's a town that's like a two-hour train ride away, and they have no jurisdiction, but he's just going to try to get more information. So instead of telling Katrine, he just kind of leaves on a train to Bergen. And wouldn't you know it, also on this train is Matthias, uh, the boyfriend of Harry's ex. Matthias is like, oh, cool. Like, what are you doing here? aren't you supposed to be on that camping trip with Oleg? And Harry goes, fuck. And like, I'm just, I'm sitting there like, he's just a shit dad. He doesn't remember anything or anything like that. Um, Matthias calls Oleg and is basically like, Hey, um, it's totally my fault. 
Harry called me yesterday and said he wasn't he was feeling under the weather and he's not going to be able to make it. I I'd completely spaced. I wasn't able to tell you. And so like Oleg doesn't go on the trip anymore, but it's just kind of like, oh, OK, so Matthias is a dick. Harry still might be a good father figure. And I was like, that's actually really cool. <laughs> like this guy, he's around your ex constantly. He's around this boy that's your ex's son that you're kind of trying to be a father figure to and you take the heat to kind of make him look good i don't get it it doesn't make sense to me why why would you do that but it's at the same time i'm just sitting there going all right matthias cool good for you matthias was on the train he's going to a conference uh he is a plastic surgeon and so he's going to a conference and it kind of at this point shows you some scenics of Norway. And I included a note that besides the snow, I really want to see Norway. I think they did a really good job in this movie of selling you on Norway. Um, everything about it is just absolutely gorgeous. They, the scenics they took and mind you, this is still with the snow, which I, I'm not a huge fan of snow. Just seeing all these scenics that they took with it and everything, it is a gorgeous place. And I really kind of want to go to Norway now because of this movie. It kind of uses those scenics to transition again to nine years earlier. And we get the end result of what happened to Val Kilmer's character. Um, Val Kilmer, basically, we... we find out that he's like suicidal about this and um, or at least like he's a little mentally unhinged where he's walked out on this roof balcony. And if this cop doesn't come talk to him, we're not a hundred percent sure that he might not just jump off the roof. So we kind of learn that he's kind of at wit's end because of this killer and everything. And he's not getting any closer. And then we learn that Val Kilmer killed himself, shot himself with a shotgun in the face, uh, blew off half of his head too. And I'm not meaning to undersell this or anything like that. I'm just kind of like saying these are the things we learn and it's just kind of what was fact at this point. So we learned that Val Kilmer killed himself and it also is a little sad because at this point I also realized I think he's being dubbed over and knowing what I know now about how he has throat cancer and everything like that, it's kind of sad. I, I like Val Kilmer and I wish I wish there was, well, I wish there was no cancer in the world. That's for, that's for damn sure. Uh, I don't think anybody here would disagree with that. But it's just kind of sad that Val Kilmer's voice is so gone that I can't tell if it's dubbed over or if this is really what he sounds like, but it's tough. It's really tough in this part. So Val Kilmer's gone. Um, we flash back to the present. And while Harry is in Bergen learning, this is kind of where he picks up the stuff about Val Kilmer and why we get the end story and like what happened and everything. Uh, while that's happening, Katrine basically the phone of the first missing person turns on and they're able to locate it at the creepy doctor's house. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to go alone to Vetlinson's house. So she goes by herself to Vetlinson's house uh, to kind of basically make the arrest because she thinks the creepy doctor did it. And she gets into the house and there's nobody really around or anything like that. Uh, at least not in her initial search. So she goes into the garage and sitting on a chair in the middle of the garage with his head blown off and in a pile of uh, water is the creepy Dr. Vetlison. And so... There's also a bunch of bodies that we learn from the forensics team when they get there and they start doing their research and everything. Basically, he had two or three women's bodies there, including the first missing woman. So case solved, right? 
Vetlison is the one who did it. He killed all these girls because he felt like people were getting on hit on his case, and then he shot himself. So obviously, case solved. Everything's done. Um, because she went by herself, Katrine is suspended, basically losing a week because she didn't go with backup. And it's all because she was told to wait, but she kind of was just like, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go. Her and Harry are talking and Harry's like, well, that's it. It's wrapped up. I mean, he committed suicide. He killed those girls. He obviously did it. The snowman's been captured or it's dead. Uh, The case is closed. Katrine doesn't believe it. And we don't know why she doesn't believe it, but she's she's very strongly doesn't believe it. And she's starting to believe that maybe J.K. Simmons is part of this because obviously he had the girls and maybe he killed Vetlison and killed those girls because he felt like people were getting too close now. And so she goes to his next big gala event. Katrine goes by herself to this next big gala event and she, like I said, is suspended, but she has her computer iPad thing. That's why the thing was so such a big deal in the beginning. She's talking to him and basically says this is the night they find out if they're going to win the Winter Sports World Cup thing. Um, so she basically like runs into J.K. Simmons and was kind of like, oh, you're such a big deal. Like, I love you. You're the best. Um, and if if this goes well tonight or if it doesn't, like you can have me and kind of like hits on him. I mean no ill will to Rebecca Ferguson because she is a very attractive woman. But if you look at the rest of the girls in this movie that J.K. Simmons has been with so far that we've seen, they're all very young women. And so I'm surprised he she actually tried it, A, and B, that he was just like, yeah, sure, okay. And he takes a picture of her too, like, she, like he did with the woman with the boobs. Um it's just all kinds of creepy. And again, it just feels like we're just building up to he's just a suspect for the sake of suspect. While Katrine is doing her work at the gala, uh, Harry is back home just kind of relaxing, taking it easy because, you know, case closed and everything like that. Um, one of the things I forgot to mention as well is he's been having trouble sleeping. And Matthias, because he's a uh, plastic surgeon is able to write him prescription for sleeping pills. And so that's in his house. Just throwing that because it does come into play in the next couple of minutes. Um, when they're on the train, he basically gives him a prescription to fill and everything like that. So Harry's relaxing at home and Harry's ex Raquel comes into his place just to kind of talk to him about like Oleg and everything like that. And how Oleg was so disappointed And Harry goes, I know, I just got stuck working, and I'm really trying to be there for him and everything like that. And then Raquel, like, the entire time they're having this conversation, Harry's laying on the floor, not even on a bed or anything like that. He's just on a floor, like, with books holding his head up. And she goes on top of him and is just like, I miss you. And it leads to this, like, dry humping scene. And it's a really bad soundtrack song, too, that's playing in the background. And it's just so awkward. Like, the entire thing is just kind of all this kind of awkward. <laughs> so, yeah. If they thought they were being sexy in this movie, they definitely weren't. Um, this this dry humping scene was definitely uh, not getting anybody on this one. Raquel kind of goes to like get ready because she basically is throwing herself back at Harry. Um, So she goes into the bathroom and she's exploring the shelves and everything like that. And she sees the sleeping pills prescription by Matthias. And she's like, you couldn't go to anyone else and throws the pills at him. Like he did something wrong with this and everything. And he doesn't say anything like he doesn't say, hey, look, I saw him. I just kind of said, like, I've been having problems sleeping. He wrote me this prescription. That would have done it. That would have been just fine. But he never does that. He just kind of is like, "Okay, cool. See ya. Bye. And so 
when Raquel gets home, she like yells at Matthias for like she thinks kind of two timing her where he's also kind of taking Harry as a patient and Matthias literally is just like, no, this is what happened. This is this is this is what happened. I gave him a prescription because he said he was having trouble sleeping. At this point, I hate Harry and I like Matthias. Truthfully. And I don't think it's Fassbender's fault because I just think it's how they wrote the character. They want you to pity him. They want you to be like, oh, he's such a sad sack. He has such a sad life. Oh, blah, blah, blah. He's so pitiful and everything like that. And I just never do. I always feel like you make yourself so much worse than it actually is. Meanwhile, at the gala, Oslo has won the Winter Sports World Cup. So this is great. Good news. J.K. Simmons is going around doing all the like happy, yeah, 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 great news. And Katrine slips up to the room that she's supposed to meet uh, J.K. Simmons at. And she sets up her iPad like kind of hidden away from everything. And so she can kind of get this confession that he's a snowman and everything. So she's there kind of preparing she hides a gun under the pillow she hides her ipad and then she steps outside to kind of take in that the norway and everything and she looks around and she sees a snowman and all of a sudden she's attacked from behind by the snowman and you think she's gonna get away with it she like rushes she like Fights him off, rushes to the bed, tries to find the gun. Nope, gun's not there. He grabs her like with a garrote and starts pulling on her neck from behind. And she can't get away. And she is dead. So Oslo won the Winter Sports World Cup. But Katrine has been murdered. And we don't know who did it yet. She also had her finger uh, chopped off in this whole ordeal. By a an electric rope is really what I'll say it was at this point. We don't know exactly what it is. Um, she gets her finger chopped off. And the snowman, you don't see him. But he uses her finger to access the iPad and delete a bunch of evidence. Because apparently she was getting close. He was able to delete all this stuff before it was able to go up to the cloud that they have and collect everything. After Katrine's been murdered and all her evidence has been cleared and everything, Harry's kind of going through some of the stuff on her iPad and trying to figure out if she if he can figure out anything uh, that she was putting together. And he keeps going back to the first woman that disappeared. And they found out that they saw a fertility specialist. And more specifically, that their daughter was not his daughter because he's been uh he's sterile and so when they find that out uh when harry finds that out he's like what was the fertility specialist's name and it kind of mumbles through the phone and harry's kind of what and you realize slowly but surely that the fertility specialist has been claiming that he's been a plastic surgeon this whole time. It's Matthias. Oh no, Matthias. And Matthias just so happens to have kidnapped Raquel and Oleg. Magnus, one of the secret agents or special ops or whatever that's been working with Harry, uh, he really wasn't important until this part, but basically Harry gets him to track Raquel's phone. And... So Harry follows it all the way to the cabin, which Matthias's uncle or whatever uncle or that he called uncle basically killed his mother or at least drove her to commit suicide. So Harry goes into the cabin and Raquel and Oleg are sitting at the table tied up and Matthias has something over Raquel's throat. Because at this point, he doesn't want anything to happen to either of them. 
Harry sits down at the table and throws his gun because that's what Matthias wants him to do. And Matthias starts monologuing about how his mother killed herself because she was abused and because she didn't know who her son's father was. And so Matthias has been killing all these people because they don't, uh, they don't know who the father is of their child. And that's basically the motive or the, the modus operandi for why Matthias is killing these women. It's just so weak. It's just so weak. And especially because even Harry is just like, well, your uncle was your father and he beat your mother and he's the one that like put this psychological torture. Why don't you like kill the fathers? And Matthias gets really mad at him, uh, giving him just enough time to be able to get Raquel out of her situation and to get Matthias to chase him outside into the icy abyss. So Harry is in the middle of the ice and he just starts yelling at Matthias all these things. And all of a sudden you hear a gunshot go off and Matthias basically had just straight up shot Harry. <laughs> And like it wasn't a kill shot or anything, but it literally was just, oh, cool. He just shot him. Honestly, just kill him. You you had all like it was foggy on the ice. Nobody could uh, see anything. But because he kept yelling at Matthias, he knew exactly where he was. So it's like, OK, cool. I'm just going to shoot in this general area. I can hear where he is. Perfect. Hopefully I kill him. And so he has the gun. He has, like, Harry's down on his knee because he's been shot and he can't get out of this situation. And he keeps saying to Matthias, like, you're just so wrong for doing this. It's it's your fault your mother killed you or killed herself. And just trying to drive him crazy. And basically Matthias is just kind of, like, monologuing and saying how it's her fault and everything like that. And as he's monologuing, looking at Harry and getting ready to do the kill shot, of course he's not looking down at the hole in the ice that he falls in and can't find his way out of, so he drowns and freezes to death. (laughs) And that's it. End of movie, pretty much. The The real end of it is Harry volunteers for the next killer case. And kind of like teasing that there would be a sequel if this movie actually was good. <sighs> this is the dumbest way for a character to die. I I just don't get it. Matthias had all of... And like this entire movie, what they've done is proven that Matthias is smart. Matthias is kind to the people that he's trying to like get into these situations. And he's just... He's never had to rush anything. And so I don't get why all of a sudden he just blatantly falls into this ice because he's not paying attention and getting mad at uh, Harry for no good reason. It just doesn't make sense to me. It, it, it <laughs> It's goofy. It's dumb. It's everything like that. So... I don't know. This movie, the book was just so much better. And I know everybody can say, oh, the book was better. The book was better. The book was better. This had a good story. And it could have been, well, the book did. And it could have easily translated to a movie. But it's like every time they tried to go one way with it, they went the wrong way with it. it, it there's no reason with some of these things that they did what they did. And it was like, cool. All right. Why did you do that? You could have gone any other way. Um, some of the other things, Harry hole (laughs) was not likable. And that that's one thing that really just bugged me the entire time was they try to make you pity this guy. And it just, there's never a point where he seems redeemable or seems likable that you're just kind of like, Oh yeah, cool. I like him. He's one note pretty much the entire time. 
the only time that I ever feel anything is when he's talking to Oleg. And even that, he fucked up three times where it's like, okay, cool, he's never going to change. So why are we even caring about this at this point? So Fassbender did fine with what he was given. Um, a couple of things I'm seeing right now that I'm looking at it. The director basically said that the production was too rushed. He came on board late and 15% of the screenplay, at least in his opinion, was never filmed, including that uh, some subplots were never finished or never resolved. Like J.K. Simmons, for example, just kind of disappears. Um, so maybe that's why he felt like a suspect the entire time is because they just never finished the story. Maybe he did have more to this story that just never got made. The director also disowned it a week before his premiere, saying basically, like, this just doesn't work as a movie. And, I mean, good for him, I guess. So let's also talk about the streak that Michael Fassbender was on before this. So in this time before this movie, uh, he was in Assassin's Creed. Song to song. Uh, Alien Covenant. This movie. And then he closed right after that two years later with Dark Phoenix. Michael Fassbender is a great actor. Like, really, he's a great actor. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, right? How in the fuck does he have that bad a stretch in his life? How is he this bad at picking movies that he went from, like, Alien Covenant, which I get he was part of the Alien series. Okay, fine, whatever. Let's throw that one away. Assassin's Creed, The Snowman, and Dark Phoenix. And Dark Phoenix, again, there's another one that we can kind of throw away because he was part of that universe. But still, there's that and Apocalypse was before that as well. Um, I just don't get it, man. I don't get how an actor like that has this streak in there. So the snowman, I'll say the sins it commits is dumb ending for a villain. A main character no one loves. Um, there's a million and a half cliches. There's 15% of the scripts missing. It was never filmed. So some of these characters just disappear like J.K. Simmons, which is really disappointing because I think he was one of the better parts of this movie. Him and Oleg were the better parts of this movie. And Matthias was a likable character. Um, and then I think they just tried for shock value on some of this where they killed Katrine and they tried to make you feel sad for Val Kilmer, which I did learn while doing this episode, his lines were dubbed over. So I was right about that. And I'm willing to forgive that because it is Val Kilmer and because we know his story and everything like that. I am willing to forgive that. Um, it is a little rough when you're watching it because it's not a good dubbing. And again, if the director's right about this, which I have no reason to believe not, if this was a rush production, basically it was kind of cool. We have to do this. Sorry. This is what we got. This is, this is it. You get this one shot. So, um, Val Kilmer did say in an ask me anything that he was suffering from the cancer treatment and he had a swollen tongue so he could never do any of the lines uh, so that's why it was dubbed over and I get it. I do. Um, so that's none of this is Val Kilmer's fault on that. Um, but yeah, it really is. It's tough because this was a really good book and because there's a lot of storylines that I feel like were left out because of the rush production, because they, they needed to go back to London. They didn't film all of this in Norway. They filmed some of it in Norway, but they didn't film all of it because they needed to go back to London. Uh, and it just, I get, I get it. I see it and I go, oh, this was a rush production. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I totally see that. Uh, you're missing 15% of the script. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that, that makes sense. And some of the trailer even apparently they filmed it, but they cut it which happens, but I think some of that is the reason why I was excited in the first place. I was excited for this movie. I really was. Um, it just never 
coincided. It never got to that part. And can we also talk about Mr. Police? You could have saved her. I gave you all the clues in this like sad looking snowman. That also makes me laugh, the Mr. Police and stuff. I I always found that funny because that's even what it says in the in the book. So it just makes me laugh sometimes seeing that and going, Mr. Police. And a lot of people, when they were guessing what the bad movie was, when they finally figured out it was the snowman, there was a lot of jokes about Mr. Police and everything like that. So, uh, hello, Mr. Police. I hope you enjoyed the snowman. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't have much more to say about this movie. I gave you the entire plot of this thing, but basically it felt rushed. It I, I get how they say that. Um, this was a star-studded cast. It had such a better premise. And it just never got to that point. It never got to there. And the reveal was lame. Um, it wasn't that surprising. It wasn't that thrilling. And finally, the just to talk about it, the ending sucked. Plain and simple. It just was a miserable ending. I, I just don't believe it at all. And frankly, it suffers from one of the biggest sins, which is just a boring movie. And especially with a thriller where you want to keep people at the edge of their seat. I just wasn't. I never felt at the edge of my seat at all. I felt bored and confused at most points. So there you have it. That's The Snowman. I'm going to give it a... I think I'm going to give it a Mitchell Zero, half star. Um, I'm going to give it half a half a head on a snowman, I guess. That, that's the best way I can describe it, and that's probably better than this movie deserves uh, for a rating system. But yeah, that's the snowman. Um, we're hoping to get another episode out next week with Andre, Jill, and I. That is very much, fingers crossed, um, things have been happening in our lives, which are a lot of it's for the best. And so that's part of the reason why it's been so hard to get us together. Um, I'll let them explain next week if they're on the show about the news they have, if they choose to, I'm not going to make them choose to tell people their news if they don't want to, but I will say that, um, a lot of good changes are happening in their lives. So happy for them. And we're trying our best to get together. So until then you have to deal with me. I hope you're okay with that because I like talking to you guys and I'm going to continue to do so no matter what happens. And so, yeah, that is the game for a movie podcast. I've been your host, Mike, uh, it's game for a movie podcast where we ask, are you game for a movie? I'll see you next time. Mr. Police.